death is a great motivator. He mentioned Ed Milet. It's a good friend of his. You know, he has this obituary exercise. Write your own obituary. I sat the other day and I sat down. I was starting to write it. I go, I'm not fucking done. I'm not even close because I can't even put on paper what I want to do. Let me, let me slip this in there before I lose the thought because I think it might help other people. I, I battled with death so long at such an early age, really. I pondered it so much that I kind of really naturally came up with another thing to explain death that really helped me and maybe it'll help you guys too, whoever's listening. There can't be happiness and joy without pain and sorrow. We would never appreciate it. it actually, wouldn't, we couldn't even use the term happy and how we understand it if there was no sorrow and grievance. There would be no such thing as light without darkness. Like darkness has to exist to make light an actual thing. And what I realized is like whoever designed this incredible system, the God that is, whatever that actually looks like when we meet our maker, it's a perfect system it had to be designed this way. What is up, everybody? We are back with another amazing show of the podcast, The Determined Society. Hey, before I get to introducing today's guest, I want to talk about the price of admission for this show. It's something that I've talked about briefly, but I don't do it enough. So here's the price of admission for the show, guy. All of it, obviously, it's free. But what I would like for you to do, if this is your first time listening or your thousandth time listening, I want you to share this episode and share the show with somebody you'd love, know, and respect, and maybe even somebody that you feel can use today's message. So without a doubt, go over to Apple, subscribe to the podcast, go to Spotify, subscribe and share. I'd really appreciate it. And that's the only way we're going right now. So today I have with me a dude um, who I respect tremendously. It's actually baffling. It's taken this long to get him on the show. Um, it's partly my fault. I think it is all my fault, actually. But here we are today, and uh, I have with me Eric Rock, who is a man on a mission. He is actually, literally, quite figuratively speaking, on a mission. Um, he is the host of the Man on a Mission podcast and the creator of the Man on a Mission Mastermind. So without further ado, man, welcome to the show, bro. I oh, appreciate you. Thanks so much, Sean. <laughs> yeah, man, you know it, dude. I'm I'm super jacked to have you here with me today. Um, our 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 days really aligned, and uh, I'm super jacked, man. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. This is perfect, man. I love working on the weekends. This is when everyone else is laying back, and I'm. This is us putting our energy into the universe. What a gift. You know, it is a gift, and that, and that's the thing that you know. The first guys, you guys are already going to hear a, a bomb here. This is like right out the gate, minute thirty into it, talking about it's a gift right? It truly is a gift. Every single day that we're able to put out something positive that could impact somebody else, doesn't matter if it's a weekday or a weekend. We are like, we're quite literally committed to doing this. I mean, this is our job. This is our purpose, you know? So I, well, I love hearing that, brother. Do this. We fucking get to do this. I say so that fun. Every, every day I say that, oh, I get to do this. Like mm -hmm. what a fucking game this is. We are playing this wonderful game. And like that, I love this whole concept of turning this into a chess move. I mean, it just mm -hmm. it changes how I make decisions. It changes how emotions affect me. I've really gamified life. And this is nothing more than a wonderful move. And we get to fucking do this. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because gamify life. If you, look at, if you look at life like a game every fucking day and you don't know how many turns you're going to have left, this isn't fucking Mario Brothers where you can go cheat in World 3-1 yep. and tip the turtle and get unlimited lives. Yep, we're on the clock. Every single day. Every single day we have the opportunity to live every day that we are woken up, that God blesses us with another day. Yes. It is our responsibility to live the absolute heck out of the day and impact as many people as possible. I don't know when that clicked for me, but I sure it surely wasn't in my twenties or my thirties. 
for you though, Eric, like when did that click for you when you decided like, man, I get to do this shit. Like every day is a gift, man. Yeah. Well, I, two things come to my mind. You know, it's funny. You ask me a question. I never know where I'm going to go with an answer. I never have a strategic one, one place. Like you might ask me, what's the secret to life? Like I never know mm-hmm. what's going to come out of my mouth. It's where my emotions and my feelings are. Love it. But when you ask me that question, I go to two places. I go to a blow up mattress in, in, in my life and I go to my grandma passing away. Um, mm. I would say the blow up mattress for me, I think everybody should have a blow up mattress story in their story. This is like, for me represents burning the bridge. It's like where I fully sank my teeth into something and it was bloody. And I took a risk, a big risk, a risk where I, I couldn't go back. And with my grandma passing away, it was the first time in my life where I really started pondering what it would feel like to be on your own deathbed and really considering death. And I, ever since then, you know, I think I'll probably stick with this one at first. Ever since I started thinking about death, at first, it was a massive detriment to me. And my grandma was very dear to me. I was, I was very, very close with her. Um, oh, God, I wish I had my time back with her. I wish I had more fucking time. Because when she passed away, I wasn't the Eric Rock that I am today. Actually, I killed that Eric Rock like 10 Eric Rocks ago. Mm. That Eric Rock is long gone. But I wish I could go back with the mindset I have now to that Eric Rock and spend those last moments holding her hand, being with her. I didn't ask her a lot of the questions I should have asked her. I, I, didn't, I didn't do the things I should have been doing. But I was an amazing, loving like grandson to her. But like, I wasn't this Eric Rock for sure. But that's where death fully hit me for the first time ever. And since then, I've lost countless people in my life that were close to me, that I looked up to, that were heroes in my life. And every time, it's, it almost got worse and worse and worse. There was a period that compounded where death sort of kept getting bigger and bigger, almost to a point when it was stalling my ability to like, enjoy life because mm. I was considering death way too much. And for a young guy, and his, this was probably, this probably hit me at first when I was like probably 33 or 34 is when it first started, death started sinking into my life. But now I, I'll just jump real quick to this thought, like what a gift this is, like what a gift to in your thirties to be considering the end. Because I think a lot of people go through life with this immortal feeling, or they just don't consider, they try to push it off. Like it's not a thing they should consider. And I would challenge you that this is the thing you should consider first every day when you wake up. At some point, as I would lay in bed at night, like pondering how the end's going to feel, where it's going to come from, like bizarre thoughts. Like I would get so deep into it and I, I would tell my wife, I'd look at her. I'm like, I don't know why I can't shake this. Like, like it's, it was just overwhelming every sense in my body of like death of like, this is going to end so fucking fast. Like we don't have much time left, but it went from anxiety and an odd pressure to something that is now one of the biggest gifts I have in my life. Because anytime you're grappling with something so heavy, well, at least me, I'm OCD-ness of, of how I operate my life, this really type A personality. I can't stop chewing on something until I fully exhaust it and I've come to terms with it. Like I have to find the outcome I'm looking for. And it's very hard to find the outcome you're looking for with death. You, you can't do it. No, you can't. It's very challenging. So trying to figure out how to, to come up with a solution for something there's no solution for. You can't escape it was a very challenging thing for a person like me. And up to that point, I thought death was so far in the future, I don't have to worry about it. But something happened with when my grandma passed away that forever changed me. And I was already on the war path to the Eric Rocky day. So I was already starting to get the licks to understand entrepreneurship and all the gifts it had to offer. I was already on the hunt, right? I was getting there. I was getting closer and closer to, to the thing that really would change me forever. Wasn't quite there yet though, but bringing death into the equation was a game changer. I hadn't had all my rules for life. I hadn't gamified life yet, but I had this thing that now I had to grapple with. 
and with with death on the table now, it forced me to really look at the end in nearly every decision that I made. And it changed how I communicated with you. It changed how I communicated with my wife. It changed how I communicated with my family. And it changed how I put energy in the universe into other people. Things that used to control me no longer controlled me. And slowly this detriment to my mindset became probably the biggest gift that I have is that I would obsess over something that we can't get out of. And I turned this into a chess move. Essentially, I turned game into a chess move that, okay, what is going to be the thing that gets me out of life in a way that I can like settle my mindset on? And this was just maximum output, maximum fulfillment, maximum give back, maximum um, impact. And so mm. my mind went from serving myself to serving other people because that was the only way that I could settle with the thought with death was making it about you. And that changed me forever. It changed how I did business. It changed how I communicated to my customers. I saw everyone as this precious life, animals, a precious life, like everything is on the clock. And I would see people differently because in the back of my mind, I had this pressure on my shoulders that I couldn't get rid of. And mm -hmm. I just started using death as my biggest gift. Now, I think a lot of people use death probably in many different ways, but this is what served me. And it became sort of this backdrop for nearly every single instinct in my body. And it changed how I showed up everywhere. Bro, that's, that's amazing. I, I want to rewind and acknowledge the passing of your grandmother. I too lost my grandmother. I was 19 years old. It was in 1997. And, you know, I remember, I've never talked about this on the air. Um, so I remember the night before my senior year baseball season started. And I told my parents I was going to be over at my buddy, uh, at the time he was my best friend, Sean Connors. We're going to be over at his house. We're going to be going over, you know, bunt plays. We're going to watch Bull Durham and we're just going to get ready for the season, you know, cause we were going to win and we were excited. And at one point it's back when we had pagers. Okay. And my pager was going off. And I'm like, what in the hell's going on? I called my mom and my, and my dad. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, where are you? I'm like, you know where I'm at. I told you like tomorrow's season starts. I'm over at Sean's. You need to get your grandma's house right away. I said, well, I can't because I'm doing something. They're like, you need to get over here. So I drove over to my grandma's house and I sat there and they're like, hey, my grandma, grandma says, she goes, sweetie, I have something I need to tell you. So, okay. And she goes, I've been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. I said, well, you're, you'll beat it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm 18. I, I'm sorry. I was 18. Wasn't quite 19. I said, like, you'll beat it. You're the strongest woman I know. She was my best friend. You know, I used to spend countless evenings at my grandma's house when I was a kid, spending the night on the high to bed. You know, for, the, for those that don't know, that's California slang for, uh, you know, the, what is that? The bed that you put inside the couch, pull out bed. Yeah. We'd make popcorn and watch uh, movies all night. And uh, so, yeah, she, but she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And see, I didn't know what that meant. So I didn't know how long I had with her. And my biggest regret, as, that, as it was coming to the end, I ran. It was so hard for me to be in her house. Me too. Um, you know, when she was, you know, in home, they had hospice coming, they had the nurses coming. And it was just so hard for me to be there. Because I, I needed to be out. I couldn't be around it. And um, selfishly, because it's the only way I could keep going. You know, and I fast forward to you know preseason my grandma saw one game one last game oh. one i think it may have been one last at bat and you know i was sitting there with zero balls and two strikes and uh having a horrible game 
and uh, bases were drunk, bases were loaded, and uh, there's a lefty on the mound, Campolindo High School. And I was like, okay, with lefties, I'm always thinking away and reacting in. And the dude fucked up and threw me an inner third fastball and I blew it out of the yard. And so the last at bat my grandma saw was a grand slam for me. Oh, that's so cool. So for the listeners now, like you know a little bit about me. You've never seen me get choked up, heard me get choked up on the air, but my grandma will do that to me. So even with that, you know, I didn't quite learn it. You know, it it wasn't until recently I started really struggling with death. And so too, this is like so timely, man. This wow. is no accident, this Maybe. conversation. No, divine. It's just like, you know, I recently I I I'm fixated on it. You know, like um my buddy had a son pass away, you know, three, four weeks ago, um, who was 18. Um, one of my former baseball players died seven days ago, and I got to go to his service tomorrow. And I don't know how I'm going to react to it. Yeah. And all these young individuals dying brings me to this, this anxiety yeah. of like, I'm not enjoying little things now because I'm so worried about my three children, yeah. right? It's like, what happens if something happens to us on the way to California? What happens to us if we're driving up a hill in Lake Tahoe? I, I struggle with this. Right. You know, and the only way I know to get out of it is to fucking move, yeah. is to go like to the gym, you know, fun. redirect my anxieties. Yeah. You've, so, got yeah, to, man. you've got to turn that it's energy. All, mm -hmm. all, this, all this is energy. My dog just fell. She's old. She's That's like, fine. My dogs are upstairs. They're locked up. And she, I heard her. <laughs> she got up though. Poor baby. Mm. Yeah. Even that, even watching my dog age, man, I have, yeah. like, these are my babies, my children. It's hard. The, only, the only way you can handle it is to turn it into productive energy that moves. It's the, mm. it's the best way to do it. And at some point there will be a settling thought that becomes a consistent, like forward movement trigger to how you, handle when it does pop up because it doesn't stop popping up in me it just makes me move faster yeah the only way to settle it but you end up creating a lot of movement a lot of action mm -hmm. start taking place that would have never been there and you become really meaningful in society because inadvertently you start thinking much bigger like at least that's how yeah. i handled it i chose to go for broke to really put myself out there to be vulnerable to be authentic to really cultivate rules around death of how i'm going to handle that feeling and that emotion and the rules that I've cultivated that sort of create the bone structure for how I just act, they're interesting. Like I have a rule and I literally quite mean this quite literally. I have a rule that's, that I, that it came out of a funeral. So the truest story ever, I was sitting at my grandpa's funeral. Now oh, I have so much to talk about on the subject too, man. So many, so much shit's flooding in my mind right now about how death is really crafted in my mind over the last like, you know, seven, eight years the person you see today. But I remember thinking, fuck, I should say something. Here I am like ah, making it about me, nervous to say something, having butterflies. I was always scared to speak in front of an audience. I was always scared of the camera. I was always self-conscious and I was always insecure. But it's okay. Like I'm, I'm accepting that I might even be insecure now. I just fight mm -hmm. through it. Like I fight through it and I try to just leave it all on the table and do good. Again, I crafted rules around my own insecurities that get me to act anyway and get me to move forward with authenticity and, and, and vulnerability and passion and heart and soul and blood. I love the word blood. I use it all the fucking time. The rule to bleed into a room when you mm. walk was cultivated around death. Just fucking bleed. Who gives a fuck what they think? Like leave it on the table, like be interesting. This is how you separate yourself. Everyone's trying to like, 
like fit the norm, which is crazy to me because everyone's so unique and different. But this idea of me at a funeral, not being able to get up and say something about a man that was powerful in my life that I, that I really was, had a profound effect on me. His name was Dick Rock. You know, he's my step grandpa technically, but he was a man in my life that was a hard figure, very strong, hard figure. And I remember sitting there nervous that the funeral house was packed with people. He was a powerhouse in the community we grew up in. He owned a pharmacy for 50 years called Dick Rock's Ideal Drugs. Like <laughs> hell of a name. Actually, the first truck I bought when I was 16 was an old broken down delivery truck. It was a Ford uh, Ranger single cab that looked like a little Mexican mobile, like like Cholo car, like low rider. You know what so I mean? Like it bounced. It was, yeah. it was terrible. And on the side, it said Dick Rock's Ideal Drugs. <laughs> but I had this prof all this profound, unique love for a man that was kind of scary to me. He was, he, mm -hmm. was a, he, was a, he was a figure, you know, that was almost mm -hmm. untouchable from my young mindset. But he died, and I said, I got to say something. There's all these people. I was so nervous making it about me. I'm, you know, not making it about him, obviously. But it was in this moment, in my 30s, but in this moment, maybe, maybe late twenties actually, but it was in this moment where this thing happened and it sort of cultivated and crafted something that I live and die by now. And it was my stand up and say something rule. If there's ever an opportunity to stand up and speak, you do it no matter what. And it's bizarre how many places I've executed this rule where normally I wouldn't have fucking said anything. I have nothing to say. Like, why am I going to get up and try to be the voice? Like that's almost, it's almost ego driven to at, at, at first glance, but let me mm -hmm. just for a minute. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, just do it. Just like, I'm trying to think about all the things I'm going to say, but what I'm really afraid of is that I'm going to get up and go blank. Like these, mm. are th these are reasons people are so afraid to speak in public. I mean, they think that the barbarians are going to stone them to death. This is actually a prehistoric reaction in your body where adrenaline mm. push tries to push you the opposite direction and is supposed to standing in the light and giving your testimony, especially testimony that's actually so meaningful. And it's a bizarre how many times I've sort of told this story and people have, they all react to it the same. We all know what it feels like to have bizarre butterflies in your stomach, a dry mouth, sweaty palms. Like I am so nervous to just get up and give a testimony. What's wrong with me? Yeah, right, right. In this moment of grappling life and death, I wasn't even making it about that in that moment. It was obviously about me, but I just said from now on, just do it. You have to just, if you're ever like, what would my grandpa do? He'd get up and say something. He would, he would own the room. He would have a powerful sentiment, a powerful thought. And I got up there shaking, vulnerable as can be. I just stood up, like I'm gonna say something. And I laid out my testimony for him and it came out really beautifully, not because of the words that I said, but because of the passion, the scaredness, the vulnerability and the heart that was behind it. Mm. And see how afraid it was. And it was in that moment I realized like, this is important to be, to be a leader in life, to be someone that's gonna really go after dreams. You have to, these are little tiny things. This is a funeral that no one's gonna see. Like, but these set the seeds for the rest of your life. Like how you get up and communicate, how you move people, how you give testimony to other people's lives is incredibly important. In that moment, I crafted this bizarre rule that one day would show up like almost countless places that led to so many opportunities. You know, I was just in a room maybe a couple of years ago with maybe a thousand people in the room. And they, there was an opportunity for, it ended up only leaving three people to speak. There was only three people in a room of a thousand. And when they said, we're going to do three questions and I went, boom, and they inst, I mean, because it's a mm. rule, right? With well, a rule means you move. Right, exactly. From death though, and it's now serving me everywhere else. Death has this amazing way to, to really change how you make decisions. And that rule in a funeral one day would become sort of the bedrock for how I make so many decisions in life. And here it is. And what it did was this was when I get up and I, and I have now this rule to be bloody, to leave it all on the table, 
and to say something that fucking matters, it just elevated me past a thousand people in the room like that. Hello, my name is Eric Rock. I'm from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And I'm struggling with death right now. I, I don't know about you guys out there, but I've lost people that are dear to me. I think about death all the time. And Erwin McManus, I don't know how to deal with it. I don't, I'm laying in bed thinking about what my last breaths are going to feel like. And I know mm -hmm. I got to bring faith in here somehow. And I'm struggling with it because I see so many children that like I'm giving with some, one of the Ross testimonies in front of a thousand people that I don't know. You know. Make a long story short. Do you know how many people came up and cried and, and held me that night? How many women came up and gave me a hug? At least 10 to 20% of the crowd. It was amazing, mm -hmm. my man. And, and I didn't do it for that reason. Right. So I already knew the strength of standing up and saying something and then saying something that fucking mattered. That's the other part. Mm -hmm. All this came from a funeral. And then I lived and died by my own rules. I don't fucking miss the opportunity. You asked me to get on your show, I'm doing it. Like I, I'm, I will pursue anything that comes in my wheelhouse. But what's different now, this version of Eric Rock, I keep killing old versions. This one is now on the hunt. Now I'm, I, the, the clock is ticking. And mm -hmm. I'm just getting started, but I've reallocated all my time and energy into this space of impact. It's no longer just about the businesses and, and, and the things that are around me, even in my local community. I'm trying to now really scale this. So now I'm being much more intentional, but my concept of taking advantage of opportunities is fierce. And it's because of death. These are the gifts that death can give you in life. You can turn them into energy and it's the only way to soften the voice. It doesn't silence it, but it softens mm -hmm. the voice of death. And what's happening is I'm creating a trail of creation behind me, but that's how I met Ed Milet. It was that connection to me saying yes in that, in that, in that audience that elevated me past every other person in the room. It just happened to be that Ed raised his family here in the summer in Coeur d'Alene. It put me oh, wow. everyone. And that connection became, hey, brother, how are you? I'm from Coeur d'Alene too. And that went on to a one-on-one -on -one relationship that really changed my perspective of how I'm going to do the next chapter of my life. And that's probably why I'm here today. So I owe him a lot of credit. But what I really owe credit to was being a vulnerable little bitch that was so scared to speak in front of people and had all these insecurities and was making everything about me and like not making it about anything else but myself. But I found a way to break through it because I knew there was a reason that I'm here. Like something kept pulling at me that made me grapple it. But really... I mean, out of everyone in an audience that has the, the, the opportunity to speak, very few ever do. They don't stand up and say something. And this isn't ego-driven. This is about like leaving an impact, leaving a mark. Everywhere you go, you want to leave a piece of your blood there. Like this is the concept of how I do life. And it has served me so well. It has moved me to places that I could have never imagined with partnerships and relationships and business that I could have never imagined. Um, and the trajectory and the momentum is now here in a unique place. And I can't wait to see what I do with it. I don't even know where this is going to fucking go. <laughs> but I see, it. I see big now, you know, I think, yeah. I think big and death allows me to think big. How crazy, right? You know, it is, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about it. Right. But at, the thing that I want people that are listening now to understand, I, I want you guys to take a moment and dive into your subconscious or things that you might be thinking that flash across your mind while listening to this episode right now. And then you try to like, just discredit it right away to a limiting belief or no, that's crazy. No, grab it and hold on to the fucking thought. Because the one thing that I want you guys to understand is impact over income, yes. impact over everything else. And the one way you can make an impact is just by taking action and standing the fuck up and saying something when you have to. And so I feel led to do this right now. For those of you listening that have struggled with death 
or struggle with making an impact or being honest with yourself and truly living your fucking authentic truth, I want you guys to send me an email, sean.french at the Determined Society. I'm going to have it in the show notes. I'm going to have Eric's information in the show notes too. Please ask questions. I want to answer them on the air. I want you guys to be included in this because if we can impact you right now by listening to this, then we have done our job. On a Saturday, we have led, we have led the community, we have led people to their passion, and that's how the world gets better. What a gift. Period. What a gift this Yes. I mean, fuck. I mean, to think that I'm sitting here, I am sitting here right now, so right? Two, two and a half years after I started this rinky-dink podcast called The Determined Society on an Anchor app, in an iPhone, in a fucking VW Atlas SUV. Amazing. And now, and, and here we are now having a great conversation with you, been in a studio with Bedros freaking Koulian, have interviewed the amazing minds like David Meltzer, Ryan, like Ryan Stuman, like all these people, man, like this is a gift. I get to do this. Right. And what I realize is, and there's a lot of limiting beliefs at the beginning of this shit, dude. Then until I realize I fucking belong. Yeah. Hundred percent. What you if you don't see yourself as the thing, like you'll never be it. And it happens here long before it happens here. Way oh, dude, I'm, bro, way long before, man. Yeah. Way long before. I saw this vision, you know, of this impacting people globally, and you know, it's just something that people say. I think, right? Oh, I'm going to impact lives over the globe. And then I'm sitting there the other day, and I'm looking at, you know, where my listeners are. Yeah, I'm blown away. Singapore? That's so cool. China? So cool. Australia? Good for you, man. Bro. Fucking Finland? So cool. Dude. I mean, and I'm not talking like one person. Yeah. This is like people are sharing my shit in yeah. these other countries. It's like and and, and again, not ego driven. Yeah, no, no. Impact no. driven. Same. Impact. Impact. It's oh, like the haters fuck. the haters will call it ego driven. And those are the critics on the sidelines. And anytime I I I, I ponder that. I always go back to that Teddy Roosevelt beautiful quote about the man in the arena. I want to be the fucking man in the arena. I want to be the guy in the batter's box that has a 95 mile an hour fastball coming at him. I do not want to be the guy on the sidelines barking. I want to be the guy that's in the fight that gets to be punched at and that gets to throw punches back. And I challenge everyone, whatever that looks like in your life, get in the batter's box, get in the fucking arena, shut your mouth, do the work, Put in what it needs to take to get inside mm. that arena. And this is where all the magic happens. But this is where the critics fail. So often, the, you know, it's funny, man. Like the people that tear you down are never where you want to be. It's always. You're not even at where you're at now. Yeah. The, it's the people they may not even be a real person. Yes. The people, <laughs> that, the people that build you up. Those, you ever notice like the people that really cheer you on? Those are always the people that are in some sort of arena themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's never critics. It's always the person that's in a bigger arena than you that wants you to fucking win. And like, man, like you're telling me people in Singapore, like, I'm like, fuck yeah, Sean's the yeah. thing. It's because I'm in my own arena. Like I see your yeah. battles and I know the insecurities and the struggles that you had to overcome to be able to say that, that statement right there, to have these types of sentiments. I know what you went through and I respect the fuck out of the process because the process weeds out all the weak people. And it's just they can't get through it. They cannot get a story correct. And they're, they're living mm -hmm. a racket. Most people that can't work through the system and the processes and the disciplines to get somewhere worthwhile, they're running rackets and they quickly fold. You got to be know who you are as a person. You got to be so disciplined as a human. Now, there's all kinds of bad apples that may break through. 
But man, at the end of the day, it's like we have God to face. And like, that's what mm. really drives the bedrock of me is the faith that beneath my feet that drives all these decisions and that clock of death that's, that's shadowing over us. What a gift to live a life like this. Like, this is such a beautiful experience to, to be able to shed light on something that is actually really rare. I came across a study that 98% of people, according to the Wealth Research Group worldwide, it's a worldwide study, will die without achieving their dreams. So that means that most people in life, 98% of them, are going to die without even getting close to their nearest potential. If you consider that, that the playing field is so small for people that actually break through and have the discipline and courage to step into the arena, because that's where, where, all, this, where all the stress is and all, this, and all the real struggle is that most people avoid in life that keeps them in that safety bubble, like they, they don't step into, like that's the area that I would love to challenge people to go into because my theory is this. The more people that are playing in that arena, that are in that scary space, the less crime there is, the less mm -hmm. there is, the less pinners. If more people are going after their dreams, like really going for broke, this society is a lot better place. But there's a dark, evil force out there that does not want people there. They want dependent people. Like this is actually why I'm here with you, Sean. If you got to my why behind all of this shit, at the end of the day, I was so mad through COVID of what I saw because the dark force became so clear. It was mm -hmm. always there but it hadn't shown its face. In, and now you saw its teeth and you could see everything. There was a monster. The underbelly, bro. It's bad. It was crazy. And I didn't want to be mad at the TV. I don't want these negative emotions to destroy me. And COVID really was an eye opener. I said, I am no longer going to be mad and emotionally driven. And I'm going to fight back by helping people. And that was really the instinct that pulled me outside of my businesses. Because you got to think, my trajectory was going far with money anyway. Far with mm -hmm. success anyway. I didn't really need to step out in the light. I was already doing it through my businesses and through all my, my growth and development. I was already on that warpath, but I took a hard left because I decided I'm no longer going to yell at the TV. I'm going to put my energy into something that serves people. And that softened that voice too. That softened that emotional voice that wanted to go fight, but didn't know how to fight. Now I have it mm -hmm. out. I could put it into people and, and God, would, would you believe it that that it has become one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life. Like I had no idea what I would gain by pouring into other people. Well, well, first of all, I want to rewind that because that's that's powerful, dude. But I mean, ninety the stat that you threw out there from the study, ninety eight percent of people die without achieving their dreams. Yeah, that scares the fucking shit out of me. It's terrible. And if and if and if you're listening right now and that doesn't check your shit by the door, yeah, then rewind, listen again. 98% of people die without achieving their dreams. Yeah. Do you want to be a part of the majority or do you want to be fucking uncommon? Me, I want to be uncommon. I want to be different. I want to achieve shit. And you know what? I want to achieve so much in life. So The biggest fucking things you can imagine on the biggest stage, yes. number one global podcast show, world-renowned speaker, because you know why? I've got three human beings that are my children and they have to see what's possible in this world. Yes. Not That's what society's it. telling them. Not what, what society's telling them they can and can't do. Fuck that. What's possible? What can they see firsthand, their firsthand account of the life daddy created? Exactly. Period. Yeah. That's my purpose. Though that that is that's my legacy, right? Yes. You know, and then you and then you we're talking about, you know, everything you're pointing to around is pointing to personal brand. Okay. And, and, and this is something that people don't realize. Okay. Everything that you're saying proves that you are a man on a mission. 
hundred percent. That has become your brand, right? For me, I've gone through so much adversity when I was playing sports, playing division one baseball at LSU. I was always fucking determined to find a damn way to prove somebody wrong, to prove my dad wrong. Now I'm on a mission and determined to prove myself wrong in so many ways. Yeah. yeah, It's the biggest one. I'm I'm, I'm the biggest critic period. You know, I just want to point to that, you know, like you have, you know, a new podcast. I think you're what about maybe three, four episodes deep now. Yeah. We, you know, you're, you're rolling. We just did six. We're, we're doing, we're doing one a week. It's a perfect flow and consistency, but oh man, what a gift like this. I don't even like, I'm going to do this till I die. I, I, anything I do that, that anymore that I, that I decide I'm going to make a commitment to, I, I mm-hmm. quickly learn to make it my identity. No longer these goals. I'm not trying to get to 100 episodes. I'm not trying to set a certain amount of viewers. Like I just no. do this now for a living. It's my life. Yeah. It's my identity. I penciled it in and I'm gas pedaling this thing down. And I've really reprioritized everything based on impact. That has really become the driver of how I make decisions now. And it really aligns with death. It aligns with purpose and the why. It, it really, it really, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. This is where I always was supposed to be was stepping into the light and how crazy that I couldn't even speak in front of a camera like mm. three years ago. I couldn't do it. I literally I tried to film a commercial with <laughs> and they, and, and, and I failed at that. And they, they, we did, we went a different route, but they wanted to interview me after there was kind of this pivotal moment in our business that represented a lot. We're in this billionaire's home filming in their home. Our business had come so far retail business and they put the camera on me and I, you would think I had so much to say. I'd be so proud. And there was all these people in there that worked for me. I had this designer that was like the designer to the stars in there. And she believed in me so much. And she was sitting there doing this and I'm watching them with the camera on me and she's doing this because I can tell she knows how nervous I am. And she's been on TV a lot. She she was a judge on the, on the cooking channel for like a famous TV show, did Troy Aikman's house, like big, big time person. Right. Sure. And she's looking at me and I admit, I'll never forget this. I looked at her and she goes, and she just could feel my, my anxiety and my whole brain shut off. My prefrontal cortex shut down. I couldn't find the words. It was one of the worst, most embarrassing moments ever. And I said, take the camera off me. I'm good. And she just put her head down. And I was like, I'll never forget the way that felt. And I couldn't yeah. break through. And so for years, I avoided the light, this concept of stepping the light. It could mean different things to different people. But it's another thing that I now challenge you to do. I challenge everyone, find a way to step into your light and fully fucking shine. And that means you need to really stop giving a fuck what people think. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this whole thing. We are so scared of what the critics say that it stops us from getting outside of our safety bubble. Take the camera off me. I'm going to go back in my safety bubble. And this is where most people die without achieving their greatest potential. Because I'm convinced that to achieve your greatest potential, you're like, if you close your eyes right now, listeners, listeners that are listening out there, close your eyes and envision the best version of yourself. This is everything you could have ever dreamed for. What do you smell like? How do you walk? How do you talk? How do you communicate? Who are you talking to right now? What kind of relationships do you have? How does your life look? What is your lifestyle? When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you look at? When you touch, reach over in the bed, who are you touching? Like imagine your greatest life that it could be the most, every dream you could have imagined. At the end of the day, I'm convinced that you cannot achieve that person without impacting countless people. That person has to be able to have a reach and to have a reach means you have to know who the fuck you are. You can't have holes in you and expect to change the world. You can't have holes in you and expect to really impact you. I'm convinced that's that the marketplace at large or the universe, or I like to con- you say universe and God, but the universe in this case, for sure, it has spidey senses that will see right through your bullshit. You may think you're getting away with it, 
but you're running a racket. Most people run fucking rackets and they can't break through it. So you have to get you right first before you can step in the light. So this is a process for sure. But that greatest version of you, it's on some sort of stage giving its testimony to the world because it's your story that can help the thousands of versions that came before you. Like there, there's so many old Eric rocks that are like, now I blow fucking past like fast. I just move past them so quick. I have so much scar tissue that pushes me past old Eric rocks. That tells me that I could have helped every one of those motherfuckers along the way. Like every one of them needed me in their life. Mm -hmm. And what's crazy is for a decade of building businesses, I didn't seek out people like me. I did it so organically and painfully, but I learned through entrepreneurship. I learned through taking risks. I learned through my customers. Knowing what I know now, I could have skipped a lot of steps by bringing in someone like you into my world and paying a ticket price and investing yeah. in myself. I just did it the old-fashioned way before mentorship was really a big thing, although it's been around forever. But this whole idea of masterminds, like it was all so foreign to me. I got to social media really late. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to be old school. I prided myself on being yeah. old school. But yeah. At the end of the day, all this scar tissue that's got me here, all of it, like it turned into a version that recognizes this one singular point to change the world. First, you need to change you and then you can step into the light and you can step in line without looking over your shoulder, without making it chips on your shoulder. Yeah. That are the reasons you do things because you mentioned your dad and your family and all the things that were holding you back. Like, I understand that sentiment so well. The urge for me to want to win cannot be solely dependent on chips on your shoulder. That'll get you far but it will not take you to the promised land of your greatest version. There's gotta be a why behind it that is so much deeper than you just being pissed off at the world and saying, watch me, motherfucker. I got it, this. Yeah, I mean, that shit's exhausting, man. I, I've lived it yeah. far too long, right? Yep. It's, it's great to get me going, yeah. but if my purpose, overall purpose and my determination to do something doesn't fall on something more than that, it'll never get done, exactly. you know? And, 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 and to your point about this whole, you know, we could talk about, I mean, and I don't want these people to think that we're talking about death in a depressing way. Like guys, this is a, death is a great motivator. Yes. You know, like yeah. he mentioned Ed Milet. He mentioned Ed Milet is a good friend of his. You know, he has this obituary exercise, right? You know, write your own obituary. Yeah. It's powerful. Well, you know, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, to me, like I, I sat the other day and I sat down, I was starting to write it. I go, I'm not fucking done. Mm -hmm. I'm not even close. Cause no. I, I can't even put on paper what I want to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not reality yet. Yeah. It's like, I got to push. Let me, let me slip this in there before I lose the thought. Cause I think it might help other people. I, I battled with death so long at such an early age, really. Like, and I wouldn't have known this till you interview other people till now. Yeah, I'm an interviewer now. I love getting other people's stories, but like, it was sort of unique to be so obsessive about it at actually such a young age. I mean, at, at 32, 33, whenever this started really occurring in my life, I looked like I was still 21. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, so he's so young at heart and like in, in really still young in life and to be so obsessive of it, it's kind of, it, it's actually rare and different. A lot of people just don't do that at that age, but I turned it into a gift. But let me say this. I pondered it so much that I kind of really naturally came up with another thing to explain death that really helped me. And maybe it'll help you guys too, whoever's listening. But I realized like, I don't, there can't be happiness and joy without pain and sorrow. You, you would never appreciate it. There, it actually wouldn't, you couldn't even use the term happy and how we understand it if there was no sorrow and grievance. There would be no such thing as light without darkness. Like darkness has to exist to make light an actual thing. Like everything that's out there needs an opposite for, for the thing to exist in the first place. And what I realized is like whoever designed this incredible system, the God that is, whatever that actually looks like when we meet our maker, 
it's a perfect system that had to be designed this way. There has to be death so that you can appreciate life because if you didn't have it, life wouldn't exist. There's yeah. no thing as life without death. And when you sort of realize that this is a manufactured system that's by something we can never understand, it's much higher than ourselves. The power of God is something we'll never be able to explain. But it did help soften the voice that said, oh, it has to be this way. Like this, go, this is actually the laws of physics. We are now bringing science into this equation. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. This is actually science and, and it's divine. And it blends together so perfectly. So for me to be happy and joyful, I need to know on the back end that there's death. And the second you realize that they, they are actually a relationship that coexists, it just helps you soften the blow. It's like, okay, well, they, we couldn't have gone without death. There's no such thing as immortal because there can't be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like our spirits that carry on that thing we put our hopes into and with faith, like I do believe that like that is something that is powerful. It's another motivator. It's another thing that makes me know I'm going to see my grandma again. I do believe in it. But at the end of the day, on this life, in this planet, how physics actually plays out, these two things are so harmonious. And unfortunately, that's where evil, it's there and we're always going to fight against it. But there's no good without it. It's very hard to think that there could only be good. And that doesn't mean I don't fight against it with everything I got. I mean, now it's purpose-driven shit that, that is, we're on the hunt for. But it's just one of those things is like we don't understand the system but I do understand that one can't exist without the other. And that for whatever reason, that just softened the blow a little bit. And it really allowed me to be more at peace with something that I cannot control. Because type A's love to control shit. Yeah, yeah, we do. Holy it's shit. Important. Fuck, man. Here's the thing, too. Like, that concept of can't have one way without the other, we know that. Yeah. We fucking know that. But that. we're so fucking stubborn when we're young to think like, to think any differently. All we focus on or all people may be focusing on right now is just the bad shit that's happening. Yeah. But like there's good shit too. 100%. Like how how much would you appreciate the amazing shit that's coming to you in a week, five weeks, or five years if you're not going through the fucking struggle you're going through right now? That's how it. am I gonna appreciate? How am I gonna fucking appreciate where where I'm going to be if I can't value the struggle that I'm in now? Yep. You just when made- I'm beautiful connection. That was the connection I was trying to get to. The struggle is actually your best friend. The pain is a gift. Use it as a weapon. That scar tissue is the most valuable thing you have. This rags to riches story, there's a reason it's so valuable. When mm-hmm. someone comes from nothing and, and builds their life into something, like that story, there's certain things along the way you can't buy, you can't steal, you can't manipulate, you can't gift away, you must fucking earn them. And if you don't earn them, it's very hard to appreciate them. It's the people that earn it that appreciate it. And I, if, you, if I didn't earn it, if, I wasn't a, if it wasn't a bloody fucking process, I don't want it. You can mm-hmm. keep it. I want to yeah. fucking earn it because it means more to me. So I never want to be a trust fund kid. And I never want to put someone else in an entitled position ever. I want you to understand the most valuable gift I have came from sleeping on a blow-up mattress. Came from with, with literally not knowing how we're going to make it through to tomorrow, but making a declaration to better my life and to commit myself to something where I didn't know how it was going to end. I had to lie to my wife and say, honey, it's going to be okay. Like, we're going to make <laughs> something of this. Like, this is that rags to riches story that yeah. like, I just obsess about. I mean, a year before that, I had my car repoed. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I'm there. Been there. Terrible for me. And before that, I was a drug addict because I had two baseball injuries that took me away from my dreams. And I had two years where the doctors prescribed me Oxycontin. 
And this was in the early days. I thought I was going to be a D1 baseball player, brother. I thought I was going to be a major league baseball player. This was my whole identity as a child growing up. I worked my fucking ass off and I got fucked over by two terrific, horrific injuries. One of them like was, was already bad enough. And then the doctors screwed it up even more. And they almost cut my owner nerve, my funny bone in when they relocated my elbow after it broke. And that set me back. That set me back a decade to get yeah. over that. When I looked in the mirror at, at 21 years old, when I'm in college and, and I can't recognize myself, I couldn't, I couldn't recognize myself in the mirror. I'll never forget what kind of hell and the depths of darkness I was in. I'll never forget that. And that is one of the biggest motivators today. And I had to replace that addiction with all kinds of rules and other addictions so that I could live an identity that would carry me the rest of my life that I would never have to worry about. Like all that pain though, that, that, that I'm talking about, and I'm just quickly alluding to, but all that destruction in my life is actually what, what creates the Eric Rock you see today. That's where all the beauty in me actually exists is not in all the wins. It was all my losses, but it's what I did with the losses that no one sees that creates the outcomes that you see today. Without that, I don't exist. I wouldn't yeah. want a fluffy fucking path because I am so much better because I went through the trenches of hell and I came out on the other side. And right there is the reason that I am qualified to help you. That alone allows me to fucking help thousands of fucking children out there that are going through shit. Kids that are, their dreams are being destroyed in real fucking time because of injuries. Just that alone. Forget all my wins that taught me a lot of stuff about how to yeah. make money, about how to get your dreams. Just that loss qualifies me. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much they have to give. They think that their story that holds them back is what stops them from moving forward. When I would challenge you that that's actually the gift that should propel you forward. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know, like it's, there's a saying, I think my, I think it was my buddy, Kelly Siegel said this to me one time. He goes, I'm qualified to help my former self. Yeah. I mean, really think about that. Right. We, we all have gone through things, right? I've gone through horrific injuries, a blood clot, a blown out shoulder. Like, dude, I, I feel this. I never got into the pill game, but like, I know a lot of people that have, yeah. and and it's sad and it's, and it's debilitating. It's devastating. Yeah. It you know, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing that the, the underlying tone of this whole thing, and, and this is something that has hit me so much today is this thing called delayed gratification. Yeah. Right. So, you know, when, when, when we're in the shit and whether we're building a business or we're trying to get over an injury, we, we, we tend to want to go to the instant gratification, whether it's pills, whether it's hire a guru that's going to help us make seven figures in 90 days. By the way, y'all listen, that is fucking bullshit. That yeah. is not, you're not going to make, you're not going to make a million dollars in 90 days. That's yeah. fucking ridiculous. It's like seven minute abs. It doesn't exist. It's a figment of someone's imagination. That <laughs> Did I say that today to you? No. I said that today somewhere. I said, really? no, I, I did. I think it was six minutes though. Bro, it's like, I, mean, you know, I, much. I haven't said seven bro. minute abs in my life maybe. And I just said it today yeah. and you just said I, it earlier, bro. Wow. I mean, there's, there's a couple of things that showed up today was investment and that was you. And then, um, you know, instant gratification. It has been the theme of the whole morning. And the one thing that I want people to understand is that anything worth fucking anything is worth the work. Yeah. It's never going to happen right away. It, you have to be able to, if you want to be successful at anything, you can break it down as just as simple as I want the body of my dreams. Well, then you better fucking practice delay gratification, motherfucker. Because if you're sitting there at 9.30 p.m. and you want some fucking Reese's Pieces, you ain't going to have the fucking body you want. 100%, brother. 
And, and, and that is something that I think people really need to pay attention to. Yeah. If it seems too good to be true, if it seems like it's going to be a quick, it it's a fucking racket and run. 100%. If it seems too the, good to be true, it is. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I have conversations with people that say, hey, you know, how'd you get that guest on your show? How'd you fucking get in the room with Bedros Koulian? I'm like, fucking work, bro. Like, it, it, you know. It, it wasn't because I, I have some fucking cheat code, right? There is no cheat code. It's like people listening to the show now that listen to it way back in the day know exactly the route I went. And those are my favorite listeners, yeah. man, that, that were there from that first shitty episode till until this amazing episode yeah. that they're listening to they, now. They were there through all your repetitions. And so in a sense, like they were on that journey with you, but it was the reps that got you there. It's just a lot yeah. of reps. It's reps, 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 reps. Oh, it builds constant. Trust. Repetition builds trust in the marketplace and the marketplace will give you opportunities. There's no guarantee of time. And sometimes people get luckier than others, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really luck. It was your ability to accept it when it showed up based on the repetitions that were there before it. But it's all I mean, rep- fucking trust builds repetition. I mean, trust builds that that I mean that repetitions build that trust with yourself, man. Yeah, that's what comes like, first. Fuck. Yeah. Because that's that- what happens when no one's around. Like it's the things that it's the promises you tell yourself that no one else knows about that matter most. And mm-hmm. it's the things you do when no one's looking that matter most. But I would challenge you, someone's always watching. So just assume that that's true. It changes mm-hmm. how you do small things. I always pick up trash. Like I the yeah. little details I'm never yeah. too for like. It's that little thing that I see in my staff. When I look at my employees and I see the guys that think that no one's watching, bro, I'm eyes in the sky all the fucking time. I yeah. literally can see everything. Nothing eludes me, man, because I'm so connected to my babies. My business mm-hmm. are my babies. I know and feel everything. And I was like that for years. The detail of me exudes through like where we're at as a company. Like I live and breathe this shit. And you see who the winners are based on things that they think aren't being watched. And that really is something that most people fail at. Most people walk right past that trash on the ground, but you see that one guy that always stops and picks it up. Like that tells me more about that person than I'll ever need to know. Like that tells me everything. Like I don't need to know more. It's the small details that separate you and it's the small details that matter most. And I would say this, that anyone can do the big things. That stuff's easy. I don't give a shit about the big things. Hey, when, it, when it's, when it's showtime, like everyone steps up and puts their A game in. And at a certain level, like everyone's talented. So what mm-hmm. are the separators? What are those small details that separate the Tom Brady's of the world? Like, what are they? Like, he takes it so much further than every other athlete in, in his position. You're a starting quarterback in the NFL. Okay, well, what, what separates a Tom Brady? You start looking at the detail of his life, the small, minute details of how he sees the world. He wasn't born with all the talent in the world. No. He wasn't born smarter than anyone else. He put in the small detail work that a lot of people didn't do. A lot of people were partying when he was not. You know what I mean? They were celebrating after the Super Bowl when he was not. He was back to a drawing board very quickly. And those hours, yeah. those minutes, Kobe Bryant describes it, in, it, it just in pure time. His time commitment was superseded every other number one point guard in the, in the country. Every forward in the country, he was working harder than he was putting more time. And they were already at the top of the food chain. A lot of those guys came with tons of natural talent, and they came with tons of skill and ability, just like Kobe. What was a separator? The separator was simple for him. It was math, pure math. It was more time. Unbelievable, dude. Like, you know, this, this is something, you know, we, you, you mentioned someone's always watching, Hmm. you know, and if you can really 
every single day operate on like, hey, someone's going to see this if I don't do this. Yes. Or someone's going to see if I do this. And dude, it, I mean, like it started for me when I, I began all this in COVID too. Like just, okay. you know, you and I started around the same time. Um, I was late in the social media game. Um, but for me, when I started my personal growth journey and I started filming shows and putting my thoughts out there, I realized like, dude, I got to fucking make sure I stay tight myself. Like I have to make sure I make good decisions. Yeah, it got pressure. to the point like, bro, it's it fucking pressure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I can't walk into a public restroom and if I see a dirty toilet, the same way I have to fucking clean it. I just, and it's humiliating because it's not even my piss. Yeah, that's a, it's so some good. other asshole that doesn't give a shit good for you, man. About himself or I, the next person. You know what that that says to me? And it's this is a rare quality in humans. That's why this is why success is rare. People want to know like why winning is not fucking easy. Trust me, man. Like this is a difference maker. Everything I touch, I turn into gold. And it's simply because you're willing to do things that other people aren't. And more importantly, everywhere you go, you make it better than when you left. When I walk into a room, I leave it better than I found it. And that is a rule of mine. It is how I move into a space. I want to leave something that was not there before I got there. And mm -hmm. even in a public fucking bathroom and some asshole fucking pissed on the seat, didn't flush it. Like my ability to just wipe up around it. Even in the gym, I see guys all the time. They're douching their head. They're brushing their teeth. They're shaving. They leave a fucking mess on the sink where everyone else has to use it. And I will come in and I'm not, this isn't a shout out to me. Like no one even knows I do this, but since you brought it up, I will, I can't, I cannot leave that asshole's mess this way. Yeah. I'll yeah. clean it up. And you know, what's funny. You said someone's always watching. I want to challenge people. This is a big challenge. Do you believe in God? I'm just going to ask this out loud to the people that, that may be listening. Do you believe in angels? I believe there's angels with me right fucking now. I believe my, if I believe my grandma's here with me right now, do you believe it that there's an angel in your life? If your dad passed away and you loved your daddy, is, is your daddy hanging over you, watching over every move you make? Well, if that's true and you really believe that, then why are you cheating on your spouse? They see, you don't think your dad sees that and he's not ashamed of what you're doing? Why are, you, why are you stealing money? Why are you manipulating? Why are you lying? They see that you're lying. Like now, I'll be honest. That really shook me when I first had this thought. And it's sort of like a thought that was always kind of in my mind when I was younger, but I could shake it really fast, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I could still steal from the cookie jar. Like I can do a mm -hmm. bad thing and not like no one's watching, right? But when I started coming to terms with what faith really meant, and that is really believing in my heart that I'm going to see my grandma again and that she is with me. And yeah. bizarre as this may sound, my, my thing was my little sister that got me to do this. God bless her. But when my, when my dog Winston died, who was my pit bull, and he was my best friend in the world, and I almost can't talk about him without crying. I just love him so much. But um, when he died on his deathbed, he died here at our house, right in front of the lake, you know, looking at his, the thing that was the most precious and dear to him, was, which is his lake down at the dock. That was Winston's deal. But we were lucky enough to do this at home with him, and he had cancer that overwhelmed him, just like my grandma did, like your grandma did. But my grandma got me to talk to a psychic, and I don't believe in that shit, really. Mm -hmm. And it was a game changer. And in that conversation, my grandma came through. My grandma came through, and she goes, your grandma's trying to come through. Did you have a grandma? Oh, my God. I just fucking melted. And she goes, hi, grandson. She said it just like that. That is exactly, I swear to God, I can't make this up, exactly what how my grandma used to sound. And she said things that nobody else could know. And, and I'm a skeptic of this type of shit, even though yeah. I believe her in God, Christ. And, and, and really just the faith at large, like I always believed that this was almost like a slap in the face. 
of like, wow, like, like they're here right now, aren't they? And it was in this odd moment that I realized like, okay, so everything I do, they're seeing, they're seeing me have sex with my wife. Like there's mm-hmm. a potential that you have to be honest, like about the whole process. If they sure, of course. Seeing, they're going to see the truth unmasked, unfiltered. Like if I'm going to argue yeah. with my wife, they're seeing how I argue. They're seeing how I operate as a man that I claim mm. to be to the world. I tell you I'm this, bro. I better be this on the back, on the back door. Sure, absolutely. Behind the fucking scenes, I better be this way. You talked about identity and like telling the world this. Well, I better be this because now there's this pressure to be this. I'll give it a, I'll take it a step further. If the people you loved most that have passed away are angels watching over you, then they're seeing all your fucking lies. They're now knowing the truth about you. Oh, you stole medicine from your, from your grandpa. Like now they know they see that happening. Like your grandma watched that process happen. Like how ashamed she must be of you. And if that doesn't rattle you a fucking little bit, then you're not a person of faith. You actually, you're not a believer. Because that right there should stop your impulses to do bad things. Because your grandma's watching you, motherfucker. You're going to cheat on your wife with your grandma who loves your wife so much. My grandma adored my wife. They were best friends. If I was ever going to hurt Jeanette, ever, my incredibly beautiful wife, like I have the burden of that being seen. It's a very challenging thing to, for me to ponder. It's fucked. It's a very, like you really have to think deeply about this. It's it's an accountability matrix, man, and that's a thing, dude. Like, and and a lot of people listening right now, right? Just shut the fucking show off, or like, because I'm not listening to this shit. And if they did, uh, they're gonna come back, and they're gonna finish. They're uh, gonna finish the show. And here I am to tell you that when you just came back, you shut it off because it struck a nerve. It's fucked. And if it struck, and if it struck, it struck a nerve. Yeah. Just like my boy said, it's fucked. Like, just no change. About it no one's judging you. No yeah. one's judging you. No. But just. Make a make a move, yeah. right? Make a positive move. You got to be um, honest with yourself. Honesty with yourself is the first step to move forward. You have to get really honest about your situation, you know. And 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 again, if you make a mistake, it's okay. Like I have an extreme ownership rule that allows me to lay down and apologize and not have to be right all the time. Like I will apologize. Like I will own a mistake. I'm okay with failure. I'm okay with making it. But what's great is is when you're always having this accountability factor that circulates as rules in your life. Like my failures now aren't like shady failures. They're not mm-hmm. like deceitful, odd, weird. They're just yeah. failures and I'm okay with yeah. it. I'm much better as a person now when I'm never looking over my shoulder and I don't do little weird shit. I'm very honest and it's because I've embedded but it wasn't because it was naturally that I'm just a good person. Like I could see the path I should have gone down. I should probably be dead by now knowing mm-hmm. what I went through in my early 20s. But I got out of it and I created a bone structure in my life that forced me to move forward. Even in my losses, I was going forward because there's always silver linings and lessons. But if you can't take the power of your loved ones who are watching your every moves as sort of like another layer of accountability, like you're lying to yourself now. You're actually really lying about your faith. People that say they believe in God and angels, but don't think that there's going to be someone watching your fucking bold-faced lies that you tell the world what a slap in the face that was for me. And I hope it's a slap in the face to you. Dude, powerful. And we're going to land the plane there because right. <laughs> you know, that I could go on forever. This could turn into a fucking Joe Rogan show. Yeah. And it's a Saturday. We, we both have more meetings. We both have things to do with the family, but, but dude, I just, I just want to thank you again, man. And you know, you provided a ton of fucking value for my audience and I'm grateful and this show, this recording is a hundred times better than I thought it would be. Fuck and yeah. I knew it was going to be fucking dope, thank but you. I didn't know this dope. All yeah. right. So thank you for pouring into me, my audience and the yeah. world. And, um, you know, I'm, 
guys, don't worry. I'm going to have all of Eric's information in the show notes so you can find his Instagram, find his website, and find his podcast, and find his amazing mastermind so you can fly to one of the most beautiful places in the United States of America. I think the last one was in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And the fucking content was incredible. I saw some of the speaking points. You got to be there. Yeah, you have to go. I talk a lot about rules. They, they really are a bedrock of how I communicate. I'm actually writing a book called Rules for Leaders. Um, mm. It really is a core 34 rules of my life that have changed my life forever. You can actually, I give a quick snippet of that as if you can get it for free on my website, website ericrock.net, eric with a K, rock.net. Go there, get them. They, they're very helpful. You could just download them for free. I also give some leader, another leadership guide on there, but I love to direct people to something that may help them. And what I found is most people that actually print those rules out, I've sent, I, I think a hundred people since I put that out, which wasn't that long ago, will send me pictures of it, post it up next to their computer on the refrigerator. Like I see this shit all the time now. That's but impact, bro. Thank you, man. So cool. That's I, it. I That's you, fucking man. impact, dude. I'm, I'm, Thank I'm you, proud man. to know you. I'm proud to be friends with you. Yes. And uh, so that being said, ladies and gentlemen, um, please, again, Pay the admission, share the show, yes. um, leave a comment or review for us. Love to hear what your thoughts are and shoot me an email um, so I can answer any questions you guys possibly have. I want you to be involved in the show because, again, I'm here for impact. I'm not here for me. I'm not here for just my family. I'm here for every fucking buddy. Really? And with that being said, love your loved ones today. Be safe. Make smart decisions. Yes. And don't don't shame yourself in front of those angels over your shoulder. Yeah, Talk to you soon, guys. Oh, what a gift, man. <laughs> ah, here we go. <laughs> All right, y'all. You be good. Chat soon. See you, bro.